we are getting an insane, insane pump, and this pump isn't losing momentum. And I know the question in everybody's mind is, is this pump in Bitcoin and this crazy, crazy, crazy pump in altcoins, is this the real pump? Is this the pump that takes us above this little wick over here, above this 49,000 level, and we continue to all-time highs? I'm going to give you a clue. Today, I've got a guest. I've got Arthur Hayes with us, and he says this is just the beginning, and this pump is actually real. So there's lots to talk about today. He's also going to show you which altcoins he's buying. He promised me today that he's going to show us exactly which altcoins he's buying. So I think it's going to be a massive, massive, massive Friday show. Let's go, guys. Let's do These days, when you get green bubbles like this, it really makes me in a good mood the whole day. Let me know if you also get into a good mood when you see these green bubbles. I mean, just look at these moves. Pith up 11%. Tau Batenza is up. Um, let's have a look here. It is up now, right now, at $507. That is insane. You've got Beam. You've got Rune up. You've got this dimension. Just doesn't want to stop pumping. This thing doesn't want to stop pumping right now, trading at $7.54. And Arthur Hayes believes that this is just the beginning of the pump, and the pump is absolutely real. We're going to get him on in a second. So listen, it's going to be a massive show. What, what you need to do is you need to subscribe to this channel immediately. Subscribe to this channel and smash the like button. I'll show you why. First reason to subscribe is we are giving away the banter bags. There is already one, there are already two IDOs in the banter bag, and I believe that that will, is already worth fifty dollars to $100,000. We're going to keep putting IDO locations into these banter bags, and then when we get to a million subscribers on banter and 350,000 subscribers on banter plus, we are going to give away the banter bags to one lucky viewer who has a exchange account with Crypto Banter. If you don't have an exchange account with one of our links, here is a list of the links that you can that, that you can use. Bybit, BitGet, Deribit, Bitflex, Bingx. Just sign up to every, any one of them. And if you have already got an account, just sign up to another account because there's also another reason for you to sign up. And that is that we're actually giving away an Apple Vision Pro. In fact, we're not giving away one. We're giving away seven of these Apple Vision Pros so that you can trade like a legend in, I don't know, what, do you call this 3D? I don't know what I don't know what you call this. This is like the, the crazy. I mean, you, you can trade like this. You can trade like this. I don't know if this if this appeals to you, but let me tell you, I can't wait to get mine, which which I've ordered. So if you sign up anytime in the next ten days, and remember, time is running out, and deposit a little bit of money, even if it's five or ten dollars, just to show us that it's a real account, you get the banter bags. All right, let's go into the meat and potatoes of the show. But before we do, just one more quick reminder that people lost over $1.9 billion in very, very, very sophisticated cryptocurrency scams in 2023. And 2023 wasn't even a bull market. So you got to ask yourself, if you make a lot of money in the bull market and you lose it all to a cryptocurrency scam, can you imagine how horrific that would be? And it happens. It happens to everyone. In fact, I'll be honest, I lost a lot of money in a, in a, in a crypto scam. The way to protect yourself is, number one, to get yourself a VPN. A VPN masks your IP address. You can see my IP, my IP address is visible. It also knows exactly where I am. This means that every single hacker, every single DeFi application, every single everyone knows exactly where I am. And the regulators know where you are, by the way. If you get a VPN, you can protect yourself. You can mask your IP address and no one will know where you're trading from. And once you've got a VPN, which costs you, by the way, by the way, costs you $2.99 a month or something stupid like that to protect the, all the life-changing money that you're going to get. Once you got that, go and get Threat Protect because a VPN is one thing and that will give you password managers and everything else. But, 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 you do need to protect yourself 
for, for th uh, from, from threats. This is the application that warns you when you're about to connect your wallet to a fake site. This is the one that you actually need. I think if you if you click here, you do get it for like a ridiculous amount of money. Also, $2.91 a month. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Go out there and protect yourself. All right, listen, let's, enough, enough with, the, with the sponsor mentions. Let's go into the biggest alpha of the show. There's a lot of questions that need to be asked. We need to know if this is a real pump. We need to know how high Bitcoin is going. We need to know what altcoins Arthur is buying. But there's one question that is more important than all of them. So I think the most important question of the day is whether Arthur is bullish or bearish on the ski slopes of Japan. Are you bullish or bearish on the, on the slopes? Oh, always bullish. The snow here is epic. It's the best powder in the world. It's super dry. Um, you get onsen after you ski, get really good sushi, Hokkaido king crab. Like, what's more than that to like? How long, how long have you been skiing? Just you're giving the rest of us FOMO. So just we, we, we all want to know what this life is like. So um, how long have you been skiing for? Uh, well, in my life, I started skiing when I was three years old. No, uh, I mean, now in Japan. This season. Yeah. I spent a week in December here. And then since January, I've been here in Japan skiing. So I ski almost every day of the week. Oh, man, I wish I had that laugh. All right, let's get down to serious business. Well, some of us still need to work for a living while the others are skiing. Uh, bullish or bearish on the market? I mean, I, I, I see a lot of bullish posts. I also saw that you bought some puts and I think you sold the puts. Made me a little bit confused. Like, big picture this year, bullish or bearish? Oh, definitely bullish this this year. I think Bitcoin is going to hit the all-time high of what, 70,000 by the end of the year. My put position was just like a cheeky short position. I thought, you know what? I think that the Fed isn't going to renew the bank term funding program. There might be some banking stress. You know, Bitcoin did swoon a bit in March 2023 when you know the bank started going under. Maybe it'll be a little bit similar this time. I thought it would break 40,000. It did. It only went down to 38 something, didn't really continue going. And you know what? I assessed the market, like, not really doing what I wanted to do. And uh, the option feed is killing me. I'm just going to close these things. And, you know, Bitcoin is on its way back up. So, I mean, I'm long as fuck, anyways. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. This is just trying to make some extra shekels, got to buy some <laughs> more beers for my boys. But other than that, you know. Yeah, so, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you've been you've been quite vocal about the end of the 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 bank funding program, the the BTFP. You've been quite vocal about the fact that it that it ends in March. What worries you about the fact that it ends in March? Well, so as we've seen, right, the the banking system in the U.S. is fucked, and the banks are all insolvent. If you actually you know use real accounting, not this fugazi shit that they let them do, they're all insolvent. But that's not good because the game of the Fed and the Treasury is to keep the system afloat. And so they make up rules so these guys can look like they're actually still solvent institutions, but they're not. But at the end of the day, they don't want to print all this money to save them. They want to put in place a, a backstop that never gets used, right? You know, carry a big stick, but don't use it. That's the name of the game. And, you know, if you're a con man like Jay Powell, right, you're a confidence man, you need people to be confident that. The central bank has your back, but you don't actually want to have to do anything because you actually had to print all the money. You know, that wouldn't really be good because then you get inflation. And, you know, we've seen that story before. And, you know, that's not good for Joe Biden's election, election uh, re-election probabilities if inflation is surging. So they don't want to print the money, but they also need to save the banking system. So it's kind of like, what do we do? Well, we have to talk this big game about how safe the banks are. 
And one of those things is, well, you put in place this thing called the Bank Term Funding Program or BTFP back in March of last year. You're getting on 60 Minutes and telling us the banking system is strong. So then why would you have this program, Jay, is if the banks are strong? And of course, like, well, of course the banks are strong. We don't need this program anymore. And, you know, he went on 60 Minutes a few weeks. And I think it was last week. And he said, yeah, maybe there's some small banks that might have an issue. But at the end of the day, you know, the entire system is sound. Okay, maybe, probably not. But so they take this program away. And this program basically allowed banks to refinance their their assets at a very favorable rate and get them a very favorable price for the collateral. That's going away. But that's not really the real problem now, right? The market changes. It's never the same playbook. The playbook changes. So 20, March of 23, it was underwater treasury and mortgage-backed securities. And they fixed that with a bank-term funding program. This time, it's commercial real estate. Now, even if the bank-term funding program was extended, if you have a commercial real estate loan, the Fed is not going to take that as collateral. They don't want that. They want treasury bonds. They want you to buy government debt and keep the U.S. government solvent, not buy office buildings and lend to them. But that's what these banks have. New York Community Bank, which is the one that's down, I don't know, 60-something percent over the last week and a half. They have commercial real estate loans. It's not like they can go to the Fed or the discount window and say, here are these bonds on these buildings that I underwrote. They're down in price. I can't sell them, but I need to make good on these deposit outflows. Uh, please, can I have some fresh dollars, Jay? The answer is right now is no. You can't have any dollars. And that's why the bank is getting crushed. So, and this is a two-something trillion dollar Sorry, refinancing so problem York, over the next sort of year and a half. So new NYCB is actually going down because of commercial loans. Of This is, this is a, a completely different problem from the old problem that we had where the banks had a mismatch between their, their yields and their payouts. Are you saying that this is a different problem and it's linked to commercial loans? Yeah, so they had two large loans based on multifamily residential properties and an office building. And they increased their loan loss reserves 10x um, in their fourth quarter filing that they just released. And they had to cancel their dividend and they had a loss and all these really, really bad things. And the issue is that, okay, I have a building that was marked at 100 and now maybe I get 80 for it or 670 or 60 or I don't know where the fuck I get with this building because nobody wants to buy these things anymore after work from home. So what do, what, what do I do with these loans? Well, I have, to, I have to reserve against the possibility of a loss and the recognition that these assets are not worth what I said they were worth three months ago is what the market's like, well, holy fuck. If New York Community Bank, they're just a small bank. Who gives a fuck if they go bankrupt, right? If they've got these commercial real estate loans and it's not like they can go to the discount window or get money from the BTFP, they're just kind of fucked. And so that's why, like, why do I want to own the equity in this bank if, you know, they've got all these loans and they can't go to the government and get financing for them? So now I'm understanding why all the banks actually all went down because now we're actually we 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 managed to contain one can of worms but we've opened a completely different can of worms. The the first can of worm was a mismatch in duration between treasuries and and potentially withdrawals. Now you're saying there's also a commercial real estate can of worms that has just been opened. And this is all at a time where in March the the plaster that we put on the first problem is is going to get ripped off. Am I am I reading this correctly? Exactly. That's exactly the thing, the point. And this, 
what the market is freaking out about now is not what they tried to solve last year. It's a different problem. But we knew this would always happen. We always knew that commercial real estate was a problem. It's just that the market wasn't focusing on it. But the problem that we had last year, which was the treasury bill problem, that's still a problem because the interest rates are still the same interest rates that they were before. They haven't yet started reducing interest rates. So won't we then have in March two problems? Won't we still have the, the, interest, the treasury mismatch problem? And then we also have the new problem. Exactly. And the Fed and the U.S. Treasury have you know, sort of said, hey, we know that you need financing for these Treasury bonds. So don't use the bank term funding program. How would you go to the discount window? And the reason why banks don't like to go to the discount window is, you know, previously, if you went to the discount window and people found out about it, they'd be like, well, you must be in trouble. We don't want to do any business with you. And so it has a very big stigma attached to it. And you had various Fed governors coming out of the last you know, a few weeks saying, hey, we're going to sunset the BTFP. If you have a problem, use a discount window. That's all cool. The problem is if I take a treasury bond that's worth $80 to the BTFP, I get a $100 loan. If I take a treasury bond that's worth $80 to the discount window, I get $80. So that $20 loss, that was what the BTFP was there to cover. To bridge. Yeah, that and was now they're not covering that anymore. So what? So so, how do you see this playing out? I mean, one way to look at it is to say, okay, they end this program, but then on the twelfth of March they launch some other program. Another way is to say, come eleventh March, we're sink or swim, banks. I don't think they're going to just let the banking system sink or swim. No. So I think what they, you know, it's politics, right? You need to let a few banks fail first, right? So if we go back to two thousand and eight. First, you had the gating of the you know, BP, BNP hedge funds in 2007. Bear Stearns went bankrupt in early 2008. Then Lehman went bankrupt. And then they bailed out everybody else, right? So last time it was, what was it? Uh, Silvergate, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, Credit Suisse, bail out everybody else, right? So what is it this time? I don't know. So it's New York Community Bank. They're gone. They're fucking toast. There's no way they're going to survive. Um, but they're not going to get bailed out. So the question is, who's next? And so my working hypothesis is that they've started bailing out the banking system again when a bank that's not a too big to fail bank, so not a JP Morgan Citibank, because they cannot fail the government guarantee. They're nationalized banks, essentially. A bank that's just below that threshold that has a large commercial real estate portfolio. I did a bit of you know Bloomberg... You know, financial analysis in the five minutes before this call. There's a bank called MT Bank. It's actually from my hometown in Buffalo. They have a very large commercial real estate portfolio. And the, the, they're an example of the problem. So I took a 20% loss rate on their commercial real estate loans that's just listed in their you know, quarterly filings. You knock that off of their total risk weighted assets. And then you recompute their tier one common equity ratio. And lo and behold, they breach the limits. And so therefore they're insolvent by the regulatory standards and thus need to be recapitalized. So that's just an example of a bank. And now there are 200 billion asset bank, right? They, they will not be allowed to fail. So when the problem gets up to that level, then we get a bailout. But in your community bank and maybe a few other small banks, they're gonna be allowed to fail. Okay, so I mean, I'm, I'm looking at worst case scenario. You've got a treasury problem, you've got a commercial real estate problem, you've got the bank term funding program, uh, in ending on the 11th of March. How does the Fed fix this? So you're saying wait for the banks to fail 
then start the money printer to 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 do it or preempt the failure and put something else in place no they need political cover they have something has to fail first um i think that bank bank bailouts are bad politics joe biden is not going to win against donald trump if the election was held today they have an infl- he has an inflation problem he has a you just print money to bail out the banker problem they cannot be seen to bail out banks unless there is some massive financial collapse that prompts them to do it. So we need, I don't know if the S&P is actually even going to go down, but we need the treasury market to freak out. Um, we need a large bank that's you know not large enough to be too big to fail, but almost there. They have a commercial real estate problem. And that's when on a Sunday night, you get the announcement, oh, there's a new program. It's got new alphabet letters, says a bunch of gobbledygook, and then it's just, oh, yeah, we're printing money. And that's- Okay, and that's, hold on. You know, so and we're off to walk, the races. Walk me through the next couple of months. We're, we're in February. So March, the bank term funding program ends. Just walk me through like what the next three months look like on on the SNP, on Bitcoin, on on just the general economy. Like, just give me a thesis for- what, So what, I think that- I think that the risk assets are your S&P, well, let's call it the Magnificent, magnificent Seven, the, the AI tech stocks, the NASDAQ, Bitcoin, um, even bonds to some extent, right? Everybody knows that if the banking system has a very big problem, the Fed prints money. So as you saw, as New York Community Bank started fucking cratering, two-year yields started plummeting, right? The bond prices rose. That doesn't make any sense. What is that? The, the bond market's telling us, oh, there's a problem in the banking system. We know what they do when there's a problem in the banking system and they print money. That means they're going to have to either stop QT, quantitative tightening, maybe even restart quantitative easing, which is just printing money to buy bonds. Therefore, I should be owning bonds. That's what the bond market is telling us every time the market starts to freak out about some bank going under. So I think that we've done this so many times that risk assets might not even go down because the more stress in the banking system, the more the market knows the Fed has to print money. Therefore, S&P at 5,000, S&P at 5,500, S&P at 6,000, right? It doesn't matter because I know I'm going to get more printed money if there's a banking system problem. So I think that the market actually continues to go higher. There might be certain stocks like banks that get crushed and maybe real economy shit that is an AI that gets crushed because there's no more lending from the commercial banks to real businesses anymore but anything that's just a you know a proxy for fiat debasement is going to soar so now now i think i understand what's going on because on the one hand i'm reading things like this which say that the the there's massive layoffs in in a whole lot of companies so on the one hand the economy is not looking good there's massive layoffs. on the other hand you've got the snp which is kind of firing away what you're saying is the market's looking through the layoffs the market's looking through the short-term recessionary fears, if you want to call it recessionary fears, or or uh, 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 shrinking f- fears, and they're saying, look, the only way the Fed's going to do this is print more money. We're going to start pricing in uh, money printing. That's why the markets are currently rallying at all-time highs. Exactly. Okay. Amazing. So let's talk about a couple of other things. So you do have the U.S. debt problem. You have very high interest rates. You have the U.S. debt problem right now. Uh, Powell, for the first time, actually acknowledged it on 60 Minutes. Uh, we played that clip earlier this week where he actually said, look, you know, we, this is an unsustainable 
path going forward. We can't continue to have a path going forward with with uh, such high interest rates and such such high debt. We're I think he he used the term. He said I think we're 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 borrowing from future generations, if I'm not mistaken. So to me, that was the first time that anybody has actually come out and said, this is unsustainable, right? At the same time, you still have quite high interest rates and Powell's being quite non-committal in terms of getting the interest rates down. He keeps saying, or he kept saying at the last meeting, he kept saying, I want to see inflation keep coming down. I look at inflation on trueflation, which I believe more than I believe the government, they're saying inflation's 1.41%. What am I missing here? And the, are we expecting the rate cuts now? Should we? Will we get them in April? Will we get them in May? How do you see the rate cycle playing out? I actually don't really care. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think Powell is fighting for relevance right now. Janet Yellen is more powerful than Powell. She determines what when he cuts, when he does whatever he does. Because at the end of the day, if the government has to borrow more money, Janet Yellen and the U.S. Treasury will finance it by issuing more bonds. And if that puts pressure on the financial markets, then Powell will do what he has to do to make sure those financial markets are well-functioning so the U.S. government can finance itself. So if the government debt keeps increasing, then Powell can't keep raising rates because he'll put his boss out of business. And that's not, you can't do that. And the Fed loses independence, the greater the debt, because the actions of the Treasury will subsume anything that the, the Fed wants to do and you know, if you go back in history, back in World War II, for example, the Fed became merged with the Treasury and lost its independence because the government said, we need a central bank to finance the war effort. Fuck inflation. Fuck your financial stability. We don't care. Fucking print the money, buy the motherfucking bonds so we can build the tanks and beat the Germans, right? That's the mindset. So what? Are, it's the same thing now. $34 trillion or whatever the debt number is. And Biden says, I'm going to get reelected. I'm going to print this motherfucking money. I'm going to do these stimulus checks and Janet Yellen is going to finance it and fuck you, Powell and the Fed, Federal Reserve, right? Get in line, do what you're supposed to do, which is talk a big game about inflation. But at the end of the day, if the treasury market starts, you know, heaving and coming apart, print the fucking money. And so I think he is trying to save his ass in sort of a, you know, when people look back in this period of history, you know, was Powell dragged kicking and screaming into doing rate cuts or, you know, was he just a very terrible Fed president? He's trying to preserve his legacy by going out there and trying to seem like he has any power to stop any of this by saying, oh, yeah, that, that's unsustainable. You have no fucking power over that. You're not a legislator. You can't do anything about it. If they want to, you know, issue another $10 trillion to go bomb some other motherfuckers, then guess what? You're going to finance it. And so I think it's, he's just trying to preserve his legacy. He has no power. Janet Yellen has all the cards here. Does inflation even matter? Like, is inflation even a thing anymore? Like, uh, and the reason why I ask is, I read your latest blog. Um, I must say, classic. First of all, let's just comment. Classic, uh, classic picture. Love it. Um, lots of connotations there. I'm not, not, not going to talk about. I that. love the internet. Yeah, I love the internet too. Uh, I saw this. Uh, I've been following this a lot, which which is the 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 Suez Canal. The U.S. In effectively losing a war in the Suez Canal. Like, I mean, they, they're losing a war against the Houthis. Uh, and that's going to start driving up. I think that's going to start driving up a lot of uh, uh, shipping prices and, and stuff like that. D does inflation even matter or is inflation a, a non-event now? It absolutely matters. And I think that's what 
is constraining them right now. I think they would love to come out and announce some blanket bank bailout program and solve this issue saying we're going to guarantee all the assets in the American banking system and don't worry about your deposits and don't worry about this and that in the bank. But they know that inflation matters, right? If gas is up on on election day, if I can't get my my new F-150 pickup truck because the the ship never arrived because it got bombed by the Houthis, I don't win the election, right? They know this shit matters, right? And so it's actually, they're going nuts on printing money still on a net basis, but they begin going even more nuts if it weren't for the, all this other shit that was going on. So inflation definitely matters. On ultimately, I think they're, they're, they really have no choice. They're kind of fucked here. They don't really, if they want to pursue these foreign policy objectives, you know, whether or not they're worthwhile or not, it's counterintuitive that it's going to help their inflation fighting because they're just basically backloading it and probably at the worst time possible for them right in time for the election you're going to have all this inflation that's going to come out of nowhere if they keep fighting these wars everywhere tell me about china so i mean we had news this week that china had some let's say let's say that china had a really bad week this week on the one hand their market crashed on the, on one day. On the next day, they announced, or there was speculation of a two trillion dollar, uh, a two trillion yuan uh, bailout. How worried about you uh, about China? How big is China in, in in this puzzle? So China has a is experiencing a property um, bubble burst. Uh, I actually read some pretty good research from BCA about this. So if you take a look at Japan, for example, it took Japan 20 years for the property market to bottom after 1989 or 1990, whatever it was when it peaked. In the United States in 2008, it took the U.S. four years to bottom, right? So China's going to be somewhere in there. It's going to either take, you know, four or five years, two decades. Where are they going to fit in that spectrum? Really depends on how much they want to allow the free market to adjust prices lower. And the problem with China right now is not, you know, for lack of a word, credit, it's that the developers, I mean, China, when you go and buy an apartment, unlike other places, you go and you pay almost the whole price of an apartment before you actually, before they even start construction. So the developers, in a macro sense, have this massive liability to the Chinese people of all these apartments they promised to build. But now they don't have the credit to build them because they blew all the money I don't know, whatever they do it, buying land, speculating, whatever it is, right? Making new apartments or investing in new apartments and buying new land and and whatever whatever else. Over leveraged. Yeah, over leveraged. And the Chinese government is in a bad spot, right? Because they're already massively debt constrained. They've they've issued so much debt to power this transformation over the past 30 years. They don't want to then assume the responsibility of completing all these apartments, which is however many trillions of renminbi that they are going to have to spend to build these apartments. And so they're trying to do at, they're trying to do, you know, a similar, another confidence game as cheaply as possible. Hey, we're going to do 2 trillion. Uh, we're going to lo- offer loans for the banks to loan to the property developers. But the problem is it's all, if I get a promotion as a bank officer from not losing money, why would I want to extend credit? Even if I'm a state owned bank to a de- property developer who is fucking functionally bankrupt. I'm not going to do it. Even if the government says, hey, look over here, there's this credit here. Why don't you loan some more money to the property developers and help us out of this crisis? The bank's like, well, 
you're not I'm not gonna get a promotion if these loans go bad. I know these loans are gonna go bad. So I'm not gonna make any loans. And so it's the classic, you know, situation of the central government wants to do one thing, but down at the local level, they get promoted for doing well. And by helping the central government resolve this problem and taking it on their books, they're actually diminishing their chances of getting promotions. And so this is why the situation isn't going to work unless she is going to instruct the Chinese government to take this massive amount of liability of the property market on their balance sheet. And until they do that, the market's going to be very stagnant. If I'm a household, I'm not going to spend. I have this massive apartment I'm supposed to get, but I know my money's tied up. Am I going to you know, retail sales or not living up to expectations? I'm not going to be buying stocks. I'm going to be saving all my money because I was supposed to get an apartment and it's not getting built. And so until they build these apartments, you're not going to see a recovery in the Chinese stock market. Maybe it bounces 5 10%, but you're down fucking 80%. So wait, so I, mean, I, I, I was about flat. to... I was about to I was about to maybe make some Chinese to buy some some calls on the Chinese market just thinking it's got to it's got to be near the bottom right now. You're saying we're nowhere near the bottom. The collapse still has to happen. No, I'm not saying that. I I'm saying maybe we are at a bottom, but it's more like a bounce off the bottom and then this versus oh it's going to go zooming back to, you know, some sort of mean reversion type of thing. So I you think don't that see, they have a massive overhang of You don't see like a, a covid style recovery when the government eventually says look the only way to fix this is to go like balls to the wall proper stimulus um did you remember what happened with covid yes it went down. Go, go put your bloomberg no the market the covid recovery was a fucking bust everybody thought oh they're gonna reopen for covid the chinese market's gonna go fucking game busters guess what happened womp womp it went down so it, it's i think that that whole narrative yes we might bounce off of a very low bottom and maybe we don't reach these levels again but I think that the Chinese market, until you know Xi Jinping decides what he wants to do and how much risk he wants to take in terms of credit allocation in the economy, like he's got to go big. We know this. Yes. But the problem is right now, if China goes big with the stimulus and the Fed is not, the Chinese currency gets depreciated. And that's not good either. Now you have a capital flight on top of all the other problems. So I do think China's going to announce a massive stimulus. But I think they'll wait till after the Fed starts printing money again. And then you'll see China jump in from behind. Will it be enough? I don't know. I think that they, they don't want to go too crazy issuing credit because they know that they already have so much debt on the balance sheet that this is not probably the best use of the little bit of credit, spare credit allocation in the economy so, they have left. So I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, and... What worries me is that I see the long-term picture. The long-term picture is that both economies are going to print money and both, I'm just going to quickly get a chart up here. So both economies are going to print money. You're going to get both of these global liquidity lines. This is global liquidity. So printer goes up, monetary expansion. China is already in the expansion phase. You're saying US goes to the expansion phase. You now have both of these lines actually going up, causing a lot of global liquidity. A lot of global liquidity equals great Great for risk assets, great for markets, great for everything else. Problem is that what you're saying is before this, something's going to break. And when something breaks, usually we're going to get some kind of panic. Or do you think we just bypass the panic and the market says, we don't actually need to panic because we know what, what the government's going to do to fix this, what they've done every other time, printer goes, brrrr. Do you exactly. see that? Well, we saw like the bond market told us, the two-year 
fucking plummeted. Two-year-old plummets on NCB announcing this, you know, terrible, these terrible quarterly results. Why? This was on the same day when Paolo said, I'm going to keep rates high. I'm not cutting in March. Two-year yield is fucking plummeting. So it tells me, the market knows, the Fed's fucked. They, they have to save these banks. Now, it might not be New York Community Bank, but it'll be a larger one that they save. And so the panic is going to be localized into, I think, certain banking names. But AI is going to keep ripping. Crypto is going to keep ripping. Bond prices... You know, yields are going to go down on certain like two year, ten years, because everyone knows what they're going to do. They're going to print the money. Like we're we're past this whole will they or won't do they? See, do you see do a it. scenario? We know what they're going to do. Do you see a scenario where they let a bank go down where depositors aren't made hold? I, I get the fact that equity holders get wiped out. I, like that's basic yeah. one hundred and one. But the, the, do you see a scenario where they let a bank collapse? One of these. Not the too big to fail banks, but a, a lower bank. Do you see a scenario where they let a bank fail and don't make deposit as whole? Maybe we'll see in a New York Community Bank. I think if they do that, then they've just accelerated the process. If New York Community Bank fails and they do another, you know, shotgun marriage between JP Morgan finance with public money to go buy a New York Community Bank for a dollar, um, and Jimmy, Jimmy Diamond gets on CNBC and says, Yeah, I guess I made fucking two billion dollars. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, if they keep doing that then we'll keep dragging this out a bit longer. But if they go near community bank, sorry, the 30% of uninsured depositors, that's what that fucking meant. Uninsured, you know, Crimea river. Then you're going to see fucking pandemonium. Okay. What, what is the irrelevance of the elections this year? I mean, if someone once said to me, election years, economy always perform well. I went back, I did the research. It's not actually really true. I mean, there's not a real, the, the data doesn't say the elections are going to be good. How relevant is the elections this year? Like, what what is the impact of the fact that we're going to have elections on this whole on this whole thing? Okay, well, in the U.S. and globally, right, you have this feeling that the government is there to do everything for you. If there's a you know economic wobble, we should you know fit, prime the fiscal pump all this bullshit Keynesian shit, and you know. Government does stuff, prints money to fund it. And so this is not a U.S. thing. It's a global thing. You know, whatever, whatever ism your country claims to practice, they practice printing money. And so if I'm, in a, if I'm trying to get reelected, I have to go out to the constituents and say, hey, I'm going to give you free shit. And it comes in different, you know, whatever it is that your particular country demands. In the U.S., for example, right, you have, you know, Joe Biden and the Democrats who are, you know, going against the most evil person in the world, Donald Trump, the orange man. And what are they going to do? They're going to make sure that the economy is fucking strong. And you're already seeing the Atlanta Fed uh, now cast is at like 4.2 or something crazy percent real GDP already. They're forecasting for the first quarter. How does it, how, the government can print GDP wherever they want as long as they're willing to issue credit. This is what people don't understand. You need to go back and see how China did it. And that's how America is going to do it. Joe Biden needs strong GDP in the headlines. Relevant whether it's true or not. So what does he say? Fucking program here, money. program there. It's like the Oprah show. Yeah, you get a car. Yeah. You get a program. <laughs> everybody everybody gets a program, right? Programs for everybody. You know, and then the economy is strong. Everybody's happy. Stock market's up. You know, Everybody's got a job. Well, maybe, I don't know. Or they're getting a government handout, whatever it is. Economy is strong because the government, as long as the government's willing to print money, they can create activity because all GDP is activity. 
useful or not, I don't know, but it's just a measure of activity and governments can generate that with credit. And so that's what they're going to do. So, but right, this is America I mean, that, and every other country. That takes time to filter in. I mean, that doesn't, you don't announce the program today, get the results tomorrow. So what you're saying is those programs are going to start happening Q1 so that they can filter into the market Q3, Q2, Q3 in time to be reflected in the elections. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not in a government policy wonk, but there's obviously there's things that can be funded that make people get to work to do stuff, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, there was a pothole that needed to be filled for the last 15 years. I guess we're filling it this year because it's an election year, that kind of shit. Right. And, and so that's what the U S is going to do. And you're already seeing the results. The deficit is growing. GDP is growing too. The debt is growing. It's very simple. Just go study what China did. That's what the U S and every other country is going to do. It's a political variable. What do you want GDP to be? I want it to be 5%. Okay. Well, that means you need to print $5 trillion. Okay, cool. Do I get reelected? Yes. Okay, cool. I'll do it. That's, that's the math. Uh, if I, if I were to, if I were to ask you to speculate, uh, does Biden even make it to the elections? And if he does, does he win the elections against the, as you called him, the big orange man? I think Biden, I think Biden bows out and if I'm going to make my, you know, out of the box, but I think Michelle Obama goes up against the orange man. And I think she wins actually. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you're one of those people. You're one of those Michelle Obama takes the stage and, and, and beats Donald Trump. I think so. Wow. It'll be tough. Hmm. But wow. I think she, I think she can beat. I think she's probably the only, the only person in the, the potential stable of, you know, democratic party people that could beat the orange man. Holy shit! That would be that would be an ex- I mean, that would be nice to watch. That like how they would bring her on. How Joe Biden, how Joe Biden buys out, bows out. Uh, that would be the that would be fun. That would be like the the real fun part to watch. You see how you know? I mean, I was watching Joe Biden. I, I, I'm going to quickly just get onto my Twitter, um, and I keep. I mean, I, I say this facetiously, but you can't have a president. You, you can't have this. I mean, hold on. People pled guilty. You know, I, right, right, right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. I was in, I was in the south of England, and I sat down and I said, "America's back." And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean from France, looked at me and said, uh, "said, you know, why, why, how, how long are you back for?" And I looked at him, and the, and the Chancellor of Germany said, what would you say, Mr. President? I mean, guy, I, mean I, I post this. This is happening way, way, way too often. I don't know if you saw this one. This one was, this one was a disaster. There is some movement, and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. There's some movement. There's been a response from the, uh, the, the there's been a response from the opposition but um, it, it, yes I'm sorry from Hamas but it seems I mean, to this be is, uh, this is, the, the quicker they get him out I think the quicker they get him out I think the better because I mean they, I think they're torturing him, and torturing him at this point so the, I think the, the, the how they would bring on Michelle Obama, that would be the part that I'd love to see. 
It's, I mean, American, just like most elections, it's a it's a circus show. So it'll be very entertaining. Yeah. Listen, let's talk some altcoins. I mean, I saw that you're quite bullish on altcoins. I see you tweeting a lot of stuff on, on altcoins. Uh, walk me through like where you're at with altcoins. Are we... Are we moving away from the Bitcoin trade into the ETH trade now? Is there a, are there better trades on the market? Walk me through how you see the altcoin market. So, I mean, I think right now the biggest narrative in the alt space is sort of the liquid restaking stuff, right? And points, right? The points, what am I going to do if I get points? And what do points equal airdrop? And when do I get my airdrop tokens, right? And so you're seeing all this activity around points and restaking and all this activity. It's, it's really very interesting. And so obviously I'm very long pendle, which is basically allowing you to split the principal token, the the price pr price of the token risk versus the yield that it generates, whether it's from I get points to do X, Y, Z, or I get some sort of staking yield, whatever. Um, and they've done they've done very, very well. TVL is, is zooming on, on pendle. Obviously, all the you know liquid restaking stuff, EtherFi. That's another portfolio company of ours. Um, their TVL is rocking, is rocking and rolling as well as their. I think they're the number one sort of uh, restaking. I don't know. How to can, we, can we just talk about here? Can we talk about airdrops just for one second? And I've I've been thinking about this. Yeah. I, I did I, points is the new thing, by the way. Points is it's going to be the thing of this cycle. It's I love it. It's I just wrote an essay on it. It's coming out in a few days. It's it's so genius what what we not we but i guess we have sort of come up with to use the product do more use the product get points for using the product those point those points are not tradable uh, there's multiple places where those those are tradable wells market is one of them we've been following that one um so i, I mean that does it the points if right now equal airdrops so like you know a lot of the points are translated into airdrops and kind and of this, the, the, the but no the, the genius is they don't really it's a pseudo promise it's not a contract. It's not like, oh, I do all this stuff, I get these points, and then I get a certain number of tokens in airdrop. It's like, maybe you get something. Maybe you don't. I'll tell you what the price is, and maybe you don't. And you know what? The price may have been two to one. Maybe it's now five to one. Maybe, I, you know what? I'll figure it out later and just keep doing what you're doing. And maybe I'll tell you what those points are worth in the future. It's, it's, a, it's genius. So you, so you love the narrative of points. You love the narrative of staking and, 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 and restaking. Tell me why you like staking and restaking so much. Because I think that Ethereum has basically created a natively yielding commodity within our space, right? It's the best decentralized computer. It's the risk-free rate. That powers it's, it. It's the risk-free rate. It's a risk-free rate for DeFi. And if we look at interest rate swaps, for example, or interest rate derivatives is much larger than FX or equity derivatives. So the, the largest contract traded in the world is a Euro dollar futures contract. I don't know how many quadrillions of notional trades every year, but it is the number one traded financial instrument in the world. And so now we're starting to see this build in our own system, our ecosystem. Like what is the native yield and DeFi that I need to beat as an investor, as a portfolio so offering some sort of yield, right? And then... Okay, well, I have to be this. Can I hedge it? Can I speculate on it? Uh, what can I do with this yield? And so now we're seeing all these primitives, these Lego blocks, starting to take different pieces of what this can be, what this can be, and build out this entire interest rate trading ecosystem. And it's going to be massive, and it's going to be bigger than perpetual swaps on Bitcoin Dollar. It's going to be 
bigger than you know I real world it. assets or whatever other things and so it's going to be so amazingly huge and you can that's, still get in these protocols and they're still very very cheap and that's I why it. i love it so much and we're spending a lot of energy at least at maelstrom backing projects that are in this space okay now so i mean i i i gathered that i had i knew your your thesis for why you were so bullish pendlefire but I think now that you've explained it like this, I really start getting it. Are there any other um, narrative, any other, so EtherFi, PendleFi, um, are there any others that you're bullish on in this restaking and interest splitting narrative? Well, there's also Athena, which is a stable coin, which is a, let me take this staking yield. Um, let me create a stable coin and give some of that yield back to the users and try to go after Tether, right? Now, I hope they can succeed in that. I'll make a lot of fucking money if they do. It's a big, tall order. But at the end of the day, there's all this yield that certain centralized companies are earning. Good on them for putting in the work of nothing against places like, you know, Tether and Circle, like great businesses. But the people who are actually giving them the usage of the exchanges, the users, get fuck all from these guys and their net interest margin that they're earning by, you know, taking our money and putting it in treasury bonds. Why shouldn't some of that come back to the users? Now, Athena is one project that obviously I'm backing. There's others that are doing now, the we same try thing. To, we, try to back, we try to back Athena, but the current raise is at a $3 billion fully diluted valuation, which is like, I mean, that's a huge number. If I'm, I mean, it's a huge number. I know that, they, the, that the, the previous raises were much smaller, but now their valuations are $3 billion. I think what they've created in a very short period of time is actually unbelievable. No, the you know, guy and the team are fucking rock stars. Like, I have mad respect for taking an idea and you know bringing it forward to execution. They have close to two hundred million of TVL already. Mainnet launches in a few months, so we're going to see you know, how they do in the wild. I'm super excited. Oh, what else? So points staking, restaking, interest rate splitting. That is now translated into a, a, a stable coin, which gives the users back some of the yield. What else are we looking at? Uh, this is the part of the conversation that I'm enjoying then, the most. My heart rate's going faster. My energy levels are up. And then I guess at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a very simple guy. I, I make my money on exchanges. I love exchanges. And I think the centralized exchanges are the future. And there are, you know, dominant winners so far. You know, I have positions in DYDX, DMX, um, as two examples. And I, I think I, I have one up, the retail I have, volume. I have one up my sleeve, but I want to ask you a question. In terms of derivatives exchanges, I how I see the landscape is that as the regulation comes in, the derivative exchanges get kicked out of the country. So as countries get more and more regulated, example, UK, Holland, France, Canada, US, as they become more and more regulated, the first thing that falls off the tree is the derivatives. Do you think that the shift logically would be to the decentralized exchanges or do you think that the decentralized exchanges will also be blocked in those countries? I think what, what I'm asking is if a... I don't know, Bybit, BitGet, Binance get closed down in a certain country. Do you think that the users automatically migrate to the GMXs and the, the ribbons, ribbons of the world and, and all that? Or do you think that that's I guess not we'll, a- well, I guess we'll see, we'll see how decentralized they really are. Uh, yes. As a financial investor, you don't really know because I don't fucking read Solidity or any of these code bases. So you, you, you say, oh, they, they say they're decentralized. Okay, well, we're going to find out really quick. Um, I hope they are. Uh, but we'll see. 
Okay, so the trading, I mean, I love the trading narrative. I mean, I suppose you could say that you made your fortunes in crypto in that trading narrative. So, I mean, I'm fully aligned with you that uh, people are here for the casino. People are, are here for the casino. Um, and as for as long as they're here in the casino, the derivatives exchanges are going to do amazingly well. Any other narratives that you're loving at the moment? Mm, I mean, we'll see how GameFi does, but really, I, tr I try to keep it simple, right? Concentration. I don't know everything about everything. I don't, I don't know a lot of things about everything, but I do a few things about some things. And so I'll just focus my energies there. Yeah. Brother, man, listen, I'm not going to keep you away from the slopes. I know it's almost time for the, the night skiing session in, in Japan. I know they're going to switch on the, the floodlights and you're going to go for your last ski and then you're going to finish the ski. You're going to hit the onsen and you're going to be all uh, refreshed. So I'm not going to keep you for very much longer. Just uh, much love. Thank you for taking some time out of your skiing to come and talk it's to us. It's been great. Much, uh, much love from the fam. And uh, yeah, send us some videos. Send us some FOMO videos of, of, of carving. <laughs> For sure, man. <laughs> cool, brother. And to you guys, the Banter fam, listen, I'm going to see you guys again on Monday. Or if anything happens over the weekend, I'll definitely be here. But it is Sheldon's wedding over the weekend. So on Saturday, we're all going to Sheldon's wedding. Uh, James, are you coming to the wedding? Yeah. Are you bringing your girlfriend? Yeah. Is she going to give me the Wi-Fi password? You have the Wi-Fi password? Ah, well, oh, so I'll tell you this James girlfriend Wi-Fi password story on Monday. All right. And remember, guys, last call, if you want to win the banter bags and if you don't know what the banter bags are, this is where we get thousand dollar IDO locations and something can do 100x, 200x, 300x. And we put them into a bag. And when we get to a million subscribers on banter and 350,000 subscribers on banter plus, we will send the money to five or 10 winners in the community. In order to do this, you have to have an exchange account. Any exchange account using a crypto banter link, there are there are exchange accounts below. There are links below. We have to get you have to have an exchange account. So listen, I'll see you guys again on Monday. Uh, until then, trade well, my friends. <laughs>